For everyone who has reached out to me, I would like to thank you with as much sincerity as can fit here and not fit. For those with kind words, thank you. For those with less than kind words, thank you. Starting is the hardest part. I thought I had a good start with that. Maybe I should start this over again. I have started this before, but never get much past this point. If I don't now, I may never. And what loss would that be, really? Yeah, so... That guy who talked your ear off. The one who could go on for upwards of half an hour on poop-there-it-is diaper commercials. Half of it swears. Him. I actually don't even know what to say about him. But, but, you know, even at my most garrulous, it doesn't mean I can't appreciate silence. Couldn't. Didn't. I've gotten a lot of messages from people about that guy jumping from the edge of space. Space is some nerve crowding in on us like that. For someone with my admittedly unsavory obsession with run-of-the-mill campaigns, a stunt like that should be like Mardi Gras wrapped in a Christmas bow hiding at a surprise party just for me. But, you know the old joke about the skydiver? Skydiving student, I guess the thing goes. He asks, how long do I have if my chute doesn't open? And the instructor says, the rest of your life. Like an earworm. Now that's not right. Pavlov's dog. Closer. Someone says, jump from the edge of space, and ding, the rest of your life. But people want to know how this could happen. I know that. I never wondered that. I could get it, or on a conceptual level. Not with actual people I know involved, but still, I could understand it as an accident that could happen. That was big of me, wasn't it? After all, it had happened, has happened. I wouldn't go so far as to say often, but for what it is, very often. So of course it could, but I guess my ability to understand, even empathize a little, gave a small level of false security that it wouldn't happen to me. That is to say, I wouldn't make that mistake. Oh, rats. Picking words has become such a minefield. I made this reality. Okay. Full stop. We all make our realities. I've said that before. That has been my job for most of my adulthood. Picking words and creating little realities has been easy for me. I know some of you have been around with me from before I was me. I was just some anonymous guy making jokes about something most people are really good at ignoring. I was reading an article in The New Yorker the other day about a pickpocket. Interesting guy. I recommend the article for what it's worth. But there was this part about this other guy, real deal, pickpockets for a living. You know, not pickpockets to entertain people for a living. I'm not putting that down, but okay, it doesn't matter. Anyway, this guy, the other guy, he was explaining how he ran one scam going up to some couple walking around in a bubble of their domesticity, and says, Hey, coach, 
What you been up to? In the moments when the woman is wondering, coach, what did he ever coach? And the man is trying to figure out if he knows the guy, he picks them both clean. Reading the whole article, it was just so familiar. I mean, that is what I do, basically. What advertising does, right? We mess with the reality you know, just enough, we hope. Make a little gap, then slide in a new reality. To get you to give us something. Your money. Your vote. But I digress. That day. That day was like any other, but off from the start. Starting the day before, I guess, my car was at the mechanic, but my wife was stuck at home dealing with day two of a bunch of plumbers replacing the main sewer line at the house. She didn't feel well that morning and could work from home, but I had to go to the office, so I had her car. My wife doesn't like to drive. In the past, she was car accident prone, even as a passenger, so... She's not a very good passenger either, to tell you the truth. That sounds belittling, probably. It's not an insult. She's earned her antipathy toward cars. She never really wanted to move out of New York City, but you all know that story. So, I am driving in the car I am less used to, with a combination of children's music CDs and Patsy Cline. My wife, she stopped being Catholic a long time ago, but she never gave up on patron saints. She has made Patsy Cline her own patron saint of cars. Driving, traffic. Patsy Cline was in two serious car crashes that she survived. Also important to my wife's Patsy Cline hagiography is that she had two children with her husband, Charlie Dick. The son she named Randy. Randy Dick. Her daughter, Julie, married someone named Fudge, apparently. Julie Dick Fudge. These are not jokes. So yeah, St. Patsy of car crashes. Planes are another category. St. Adivan for planes. But I flip around the radio when I drive. It is prime time for listening to what spots are airing, and that's what I'm doing while also eating a slightly overtoasted bagel. But a couple of bites in, son of a gun, yow! Have you ever lost a crown, suddenly there being something in your mouth that's not supposed to be there, or anyway, not roaming freely across your tongue, I spit it out and think for a second, can this wait? And my jaw starts to ache, because wouldn't you know it, it wasn't a tooth with a root canal, so now every intake of breath is rubbing a raw nerve. I make a quick call to my dentist. It's an emergency. I have a big pitch that morning a new client for a really high-profile state race, someone who may have the national stage in a couple of years. So, yeah, when I lost my job last year for those blog posts, when I was outed for calling a what-a-what. Anyway, an emergency, I tell her, and she says she can wedge me in just to glue the thing back in fast and come back later and get it fixed for real. That'll work. Thanks. I'm waiting. I'm blackberrying like crazy. I notice amidst the entertainment weeklies and Us magazines a copy of Earthworm Digest. Apparently the premier worm composting magazine available, and I wonder briefly about my dentist clientele. Then I'm back in my Blackberry. To tell you the honest truth, 
I do not feel like I am forgetting anything. No nagging feelings that I haven't done something I was supposed to do. Just the throbbing pain in my jaw and anticipation. Moving from fabric softener shield to kingmaker, I was finally going to be doing what I always wanted to be doing. It was as if these last two years were actually a grand plan. The wait feels like forever, but all told, tooth cementing and all, it took about 45 minutes, tops. I was going to make the meeting in fine time. All was well for just that one moment more. When I get to the car, I crank the AC. Down my thought not to find a tree to park under. I had just about got to the office when my wife called. Hey, what's up? Did they finish? No. Hey, James, did you take Tess to work with you for some reason? She says. Daycare called and said you didn't drop her off. I just... I... I stopped the car right there, in the middle of the road, ran around to Tessa's door. The image of her, utterly still, pink, waxy like a mannequin. It, it. In my animal brain, I think I knew instantly she was dead. I started CPR. My wife had signed us up for every class the hospital had when we were expecting, and I just started without thinking. Someone called 911. Later during the inquest, I heard the 911 call. I was howling. No, mostly. In between breaths. But I had no memory of that. I remember the paramedics gently but firmly resting her from me. In the end, yeah, no. There's no such thing. The inquest, the end of the legal stuff, I was not charged. People want to know that. That's one of the top questions I'm asked and one of the top curses I receive. Rotting in jail is too good for you. Variations on that. When people say the art of letter writing is dead, they have never had a big public. Sorry. One of the things I changed after that day, I stopped swearing. Not as some kind of lame self-punishment. A swear jar? Yeah, that doesn't do it. It's just... Swearing is... Imprecise. You know, fuck, that obscene changeling of a word. I mean, any time a word can be substituted for any or every other word in a sentence, it's going to lose some of its... Nuance. But sometimes... It is still the best word. So, there are still people who will put pen to paper and locate a stamp. I've been told more than once that I got away with murder.
There was no trial or charges at the discretion of the DA. He sat in a supernaturally sunny room, and the district attorney, she said something like, This isn't littering on the highway. Who said it was? But then she says, It's not like posting fines along the highway. People don't think if it weren't for that chance of five to twenty years in jail, I would totally forget to drop my child off at daycare. Yes, there are some people who leave their kids on purpose. Don't know the risk, or don't care. But for the majority of us, that is not how it goes. At all. And there is an us. Not being the only one neither makes me feel better or any less alone. So not intentional. But calling it an accident sounds wrong. I've read obsessively about how this can happen. Even if I get it, I cannot excuse the inhumanity of my humanity. I don't usually take tests to the daycare. Usually when I drive my daughter, we talk. Her babbling to the back window in her best baby conversational tones, but she fell asleep, and I was lost in thought. I do not usually have a potentially life-changing meeting or a broken tooth. These are not excuses. Somewhere along the way, I forgot she was with me. I forgot. My mind tucked her in safely at daycare without my body actually doing it. But if you insist that this is still something unfathomable, you are not doing yourself any favors. Sorry. This is not about you. You don't need my permission to think what you think. I own my fault, but I was not a neglectful parent. All the kitchen cabinets still have their child locks. We still replace the safety plugs on the electrical outlets. But I do ask you kindly to leave my wife out of it. She has no desire to make a public statement. She regrets that she chose to send Tess to daycare, hoping that she could get some work done while the plumbers were there. She regrets clicking Tess into the car seat because she's wondered if it would have helped me remember if I had been the one to do it. We sold the car with the Betsy Klein CD still in it. Okay. So... When I started this, I thought I had a clear reason. Reasons to take responsibility, to not be a coward, to quell speculation and stop people from asking my wife how she could get pregnant so fast after losing a child with a loser like me. She didn't feel well that morning because of morning sickness, so please everyone do not impugn her judgment. She never actively decided to have a baby with the man who killed her child. And no, 
She has not left me. Yet. But there are many layers. That's not the word, is it? Of grieving. So for those rooting, she may leave yet. But maybe not. Recently, I found my wife had placed new saints on the dashboards of both cars. Little framed pictures of Peter Falk dressed as Columbo. Because he never misses anything, she says. He reminds me of you sometimes. In a dog with a bone way. She has long admired the formula of how he figures out who did it in the first five minutes and then spends the rest of the show using his supernatural powers to irritate the guilty into admitting he is right. I do try to use my powers to annoy for good as well. So there's that. She's a little disappointed that he never says the names of his children, but as he never says his or his wife's either, that only seems fair. He did have that dog he called the dog. <laughs> that seems to count for something. And clearly Columbo would never forget one of his nameless children in the Peugeot. I pointed out that there was a chance that Columbo was just a pathological liar who had no children or wife. I know, she said. I told you he reminds me of you. We have a way to go, obviously. But we are going. Getting on with James Urbaniak. Episode 6, First World Problems, was written by Julie Anderson and produced and performed by James Urbaniak.